0: Hey, hello, boys and girls, and welcome to episode 380 here on the Motorcycle Men podcast. I am Ted, and your host here in the V Twin Cafe. Joining me here today in the V Twin is Mike Bobbit, and he is here to tell us about the Motorcycle Relief Project. It's a veteran's support organization. But before we get into that, the Motorcycle Men podcast is brought to you by Scorpion Helmets. Now, they're offering high-quality, innovative motorcycle helmets and technical apparel at an incredible value. So to learn more, get on over to scorpionusa.com. And Wild Ass Seats. Now, you can improve your comfort and ability to stay in the saddle longer with a cushion from Wild Ass Seats. So if you are tired of those painful pressure points and fatigue, get on over to wild-ass.com and get your cushion today. Make sure you tell the real Craig Johnson that the Motorcycle Man Podcast sent you on over. And the Stuck Up Sticker Company. Look, everybody wants some stickers. You need stickers. Your fans want stickers. So get them from the Stuck Up Sticker Company. Cost, turnaround time, and quality. They care about those details, and they know you don't have much money to spend on those items. And you need the most for your budget The Stuck Up Sticker Company Let the Sticker Jesus Take care of your sticker needs And as always boys and girls Tobacco Motorwear For the best In casual riding gear For men and women There's only one place You should be going And that is Tobacco Motorwear Visit them at Tobacco And our listeners Will get 10% off your order When you use the code Motomen Your safety is worth it Make sure you get on over there To the Tobacco Motorwear getting dave's pants all right time now for that interview with mike good evening everyone uh this is ted your host here the motorcycle men podcast and this is episode 300 and something and i'll get to that later joining me today all the way from the lovely state of you said colorado right roger where in colorado uh denver denver okay uh this is mr mike and i hey mike what's your last name again how, you, how do you say your last name
1: bobby
0: bobby no relation <laughs> <laughs> mike Bobbit. <laughs> and mike is with the motorcycle relief project how you doing mike
1: i'm doing pretty damn good how about yourself i'm doing great
0: sir. listen thank you very much for being on the show um i'm sure nobody know, really knows right now who you are so in podcast land so why don't you tell us who you are your motorcycle self and what you do
1: Roger that so uh, as you said my father uh, grew up in the state of Washington uh, all the way up in the northwest corner of Bellingham uh, Joined the Air Force when I was 18 uh, started riding uh, in high school I started out on a trail 90 as a junior in uh, a Yamaha 400 uh, as a senior so riding goes all the way back to high school I've had a bike pretty much uh, since then and uh, so yeah I did uh, join the Air Force uh, in 1985 I uh, did 30 years uh, really? there, retired in November of 2015.
0: Well, thank you for your
1: service. Man. Oh, yes, sir. My pleasure. Um, so, yeah, I was looking for something to, to keep me busy uh, once I retired. I found that about Motorcycle Lee Project and reached out to Tom Larson, who was the founder, um, and got the same answer I give people today that to uh, volunteer with the program, you got to come on a ride yourself and uh, have the experience from that perspective first. Uh, so I went on ride five back in June of 2016. Uh, so, uh, yeah, and I've been with the program ever since. Uh, so we currently, uh, like you, I'm like going to do the numbers in my head, but we've done, uh, 63 rides and I uh, have 435 alumni of the program. No so, way, uh, really. been, uh, been doing pretty good. So I've been on uh, 47 of those 63 rides myself.
0: Wow. That is, what well, what is the motorcycle relief project? Tell us yep. so, how and when it began and tell us about the team.
1: Yep. So, uh, yeah, Tom Larson founded the organization uh, back in 2015. Um, so basically we're a nonprofit that takes vets and first responders on five-day uh, motorcycle uh, relief rides. Uh on bmw gs adventure bikes so uh nice. we uh the only participants pay for is to get to and from the rides so we ride in colorado in the summer tucson in the winter mm-hmm. um and uh yeah so you just got to get yourself there and uh, home and other than that uh we put folks up in a lodge for the week and uh you know chow and all that's included so um yeah it uh, doesn't cost them anything other than uh, getting to and from. Wow. Uh, we ride during the day and then uh, chat about stuff in the evenings. Uh, We've got some workshops we do that uh, help give folks some tools to, to help them out uh, after the ride.
0: Yeah. Now, you you have a, you guys have a large staff that helps you run all this, correct?
1: Yeah, that's funny. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, so I, uh, as the president, uh, run the day-to-day operations. Uh, uh, go on every ride. I do all the... Uh, interviews and and applications and screening and all that Um, and then just the the general logistics uh, uh, the president Martin Solberg, uh, he was on ride too, so another alumni of the program that's been around forever Uh, he runs the the board side of things so he's the chairman of the board uh, handles all the the back of house stuff and then uh, the rest of the organization's volunteers, uh, we've got uh, Dan McGuire who runs our shop uh, who takes care of maintaining we've got 16 bikes so takes care of the maintenance and uh doing all that uh Mm -hmm. and then we just got a bunch of volunteers that uh come on the ride so yeah it's uh, not a large organization at all
0: but now but there's a lot involved in getting it all together now tom you said was the guy the founder of Uh the program yep Uh now what uh do do you know know behind the story behind him starting the program
1: Uh of course so uh he wasn't a veteran or first responder, but uh, struggles with a lot of the same issues, PTSD, depression, anxiety, all that stuff that, you know, sometimes life just uh, brings upon people. So uh, he knew how therapeutic riding was, and was uh, sitting in his dentist's office one day, flipped through a magazine, and there was a picture of two adventure bikes, like going through a tunnel of trees. Uh, and he had that light bulb moment of, you know, what if uh, you know we know how therapeutic it is? What if we get folks out? and uh, and combine uh, some motorcycle riding with a little, uh, you know, workshop stuff. We don't do counseling or therapy, but, uh, you know, we do some workshops that we've tweaked over the course of the years we've been doing this and get great feedback right. that uh, it's what folks need to help him out. So, yeah, he uh, started a program uh, himself uh, back then and, uh, and then kept it going for almost seven years and then uh, had to step down to take care of some personal stuff in his life mm-hmm. and, uh, so uh yeah i took over uh Ryan, it took two of us to replace him so wow. uh, marty <laughs> took over the, the board side of things and i took yeah. over the the president and uh doing the day-to-day stuff that i was already doing obviously with a little increased scope responsibility as sure. president
0: wow now so let's talk about now uh about the the riding and the, and the uh, what, what uh, veterans have so what does a veteran uh or a first responder have to do to attend one of these rides?
1: Uh-huh. So, uh huh. So we've had we have folks all the way back, you know, Vietnam vets uh, oh, all the way really? up to folks oh. that are actually still currently serving just take leave and come on a ride. So um, the the veteran community is uh, large there. Um, you know have to have been diagnosed with ptsd uh you know some folks uh you know haven't been diagnosed and uh, you know just uh try and deal with it um we have folks that have trauma from outside of their military exp- or first responder experiences so you know you know had to have uh, your trauma through combat or your service but um you know it uh it it's something that affects people uh, uh in and out of the service so um yeah don't have to be uh, officially diagnosed uh, same with first responders you know one of the challenges we struggle with with the first responder community is you know there's still stigma attached to uh, coming out and saying you got ptsd because you know you end up getting your weapon taken away or you know giving a desk job and uh so you know that's one of the challenges when we get folks to trust that the program is going to protect their identity and not you know out them and, and have career ramifications uh right. um so yeah and then we so we do uh eight ish veteran rides a year. We do two first responder rides a year, and we actually do a, a women's ride, uh, once a year, which is a combination of vets and first responders, uh, uh, to serve that community as well. Wow. Um, so yeah, they uh, hit up the website at motorrelief.org and then, uh, uh, fill out an application and then I review the applications and, uh, uh, it goes from there. Um, We've got a waiting list of 200 folks, so there's a lot of need okay. out there. Um, we only take eight participants on every ride, so um, you know it doesn't take uh, a whole lot of math to figure out that you know some folks may never get on a ride. But you know it's not a first come, first serve deal. It uh, you know when it, I take each application on its own merit, and you know folks that obviously need to need uh, to get on a ride sooner rather than later uh, get prioritized at the front of the queue. And uh, but having said that. Uh, you know, I get a lot of folks out uh, here a lot that, you know, oh, somebody needs it more than me or deserves it more than me. Or, uh, yeah. But, you know, my answer to that is if I had eight folks who really needed it on a ride, uh, it probably wouldn't be fun for anyone because, uh, yeah, it might be a little bit of a, a chaotic mess. So I need folks in all places in their journey and uh, deal with the stuff they carry around. So, yeah. um, you know, as not only uh, you know to balance out the uh the dynamic on the ride but to to show those who are still in the dark places and try to figure stuff out that there is hope and and to have folks who have learned to to deal with the the trauma they carry around and uh live a, a successful happy life you know that that gives hope to those uh who are uh, just starting their journey on dealing with that stuff
0: wow now, let's let's talk about the rides now tell us about the rides you have what uh what, what, t- what type of skills? Are they all on-road rides or all off-road rides? Like so What, it's, what kind uh, of skills do these guys need? Uh-huh. Yep,
1: so we call it, uh, you know, it's kind of like an intro to adventure ride and uh, level ride. So it's on pavement, off pavement. I, I don't say we ride dirt because, you know, everything we ride is a road. Maybe a gravel road, but it's still a road. Right. Um, so uh, you have to have a year of current riding experience. So we don't teach people to ride or take folks that, you know, unfortunately i get a lot of folks i go i had a bike 10 years ago can't afford uh, to buy another one would love to get back on a bike but you know unfortunately the, the safety aspect that sure. putting uh, a rusty uh, rider in the middle of a pack of folks uh, isn't a risk that we can accept so uh yeah you have to be have been actively riding for the last year but you don't have to have any off pavement experience so we actually bring a coach on every ride and uh do some some cone drills and some training to get folks familiar with, uh, you know, how a bike feels dancing around on gravel. Because, you know, a lot of folks that uh, you know the experience with that. You know, going through a little bit of construction gravel and, you know, puckering up and getting through it. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we get a lot of a lot of folks who have never done that before. Right. Uh, um, pretty much on every ride, somebody goes home and buys an adventure bike because now we've introduced them to a whole new aspect of riding that they never, uh, never even thought they were capable of doing.
0: Wow. Now, where do all of your rides take place
1: so the, the summer rides they fly into denver our shops on the west side of denver uh put them up in a hotel uh the first night uh, and then ride the bikes out of our shop uh out to a lodge and then uh so we stay out in the town of florescent uh colorado mm-hmm. uh out in the mountains and then just do uh, so all our rides uh, we don't camp or doing that the rides are all based in a lodge and then we just do day trips uh uh, in and out of the lodge every day.
0: Oh, so it's um, not like, so, it's not like, now how long are these rides though?
1: They're a week, so they, the participants fly in on Sunday, ride in, drive in, whatever they do, uh, fly in on Sunday, we have a dinner Sunday night, uh, and then we ride Monday through Friday, uh, come back to the same lodge every night. Oh, okay. And you will know, have chow and that, and then they fly home on Saturday. So it's a, it's a whole week. All right. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it, uh, uh, it's a, a good amount of time folks get to know each other, and and so we do that in Denver, uh, Colorado in the summer, and then uh, we go down to Tucson in the winter, because uh, you know no better riding. So we actually <laughs> yeah, we're heading probably. down March first we'll leave, uh, so next week uh, we'll head down and do our first uh, two rides of the year down in Tucson.
0: Right now, now how I many? Well, so, so basically you have a base camp. You need time. You have a base camp, and then from that base camp you take off on different rides throughout the course of the week, correct? Right? Yep. How yeah, yeah. long? How long so, are these rides,
1: though? Uh, so you know, we try and be uh, kickstands up uh, around nine in the morning, and then we usually get back at the house around four or five. So um, you know, uh, out most of the day riding, but um, you know, we call them relief rides. We want you know want folks to relax uh, and, and enjoy the ride. So we stop a lot. We pack lunches, and you know, do a little picnic uh, mm-hmm. under a tree or out on the trail somewhere, uh, and then. Uh, and then come home, knock out chow. All our meals are family style. So I cook breakfast and uh, dinner. And, you know, we sit around a table and, and have chow and uh, talk about stuff while we're having dinner. Uh, and then uh, we clean up and then uh, adjourn to the workshops for a couple hours after wow. uh, dinner every day.
0: Yeah, that's very, What kind of motorcycles are you guys using? All, is it all BMWs?
1: They're all BMW adventure bikes. So uh,
0: 1200s. Oh, wow. Okay. So now so someone applies to be on one of these rides. As you can see behind me. (laughs) I do see that. So now someone applies to be on one of these rides. What should they expect each day? I know you said it's nine o'clock to four o'clock and then dinner and stuff like that. But in in, in kind of detail what they how do they start their day and how do they finish the day and is there like lights out at 10 o'clock kind of a thing or
1: uh so uh yeah we do chow at seven in the morning every morning so you know it's a little rough for some folks but you know we got a long (laughs) day ahead of us uh so yeah we uh it's interesting that you know the when folks show up you know they usually stay up late the first couple nights you know talking talking, get to know each other um and then you know They're up bright eyed and bushy tailed, you know, six in the morning, excited to ride. But, um, you know, a lot of folks aren't used to riding, you know, five days in a row. So as the week progresses and and not only do we wear them down uh, physically, but then, you know, the mental aspect of, uh, you know, talking about uh, hard things uh, in the evenings. uh, Yeah, they start going to bed earlier every night. (laughs) You know, by the end of the week, you're having to rouse guys out of bed for chow. And uh, um, so it's good because, you know, a lot of them will tell you that, you know, this is the best they've slept in in 10 years cuz uh, oh, wow. you know they they not only get physically tired but you know they get some stuff off their chest oh, sure. and uh and so yeah they uh they get a lot out of the experience beyond the writing you know with not to give away a trade secret but uh you know the writing's just the hook uh but it's the workshops that you know if you watch any of our testimonials on yeah. social media youtube whatever but, the guys will tell you that you know a lot of them just came to ride motorcycles and had no intention of sharing anything. And you know, about the middle of the week, they decided they had nothing to lose and you know, throw their stuff out there and, and go home change because they uh, trusted the program and uh, what we had to offer. Uh, so yeah, so yeah, ride uh, during the day, you know, stop somewhere, have chow, uh, and then get back to the lodge. Usually, get an hour or so, you know, shower and have some downtime and whatnot before we do chow. Uh, and then yeah, dinner, and then uh, a couple hours of workshop. So usually we're wrapping stuff up, you know, nine, maybe ten o'clock if folks uh, got a lot to chat about. and yeah. yeah. So that's Monday through Friday.
0: Wow, that's pretty cool. That's uh, that's a really really neat program. It'll keep everybody busy. Now you do how many rides per year? Uh,
1: anywhere from 10, 10 or eleven's our our norm. We're going to try and do twelve this year. We've got a new location. Uh, uh, Veterans Retreat in Arizona that we're going to try and uh, do Tucson. Uh, you know, we go down there for the winter, but by May it's already over 100 degrees and, and wow. crazy. So we're trying another place uh, out out of Prescott uh, which is up at Elevation. So it should yeah. give us uh, the ability to ride down south into May and not be too hot. So okay. um, we're going to try and use that to extend our, our ride season by uh, one ride do 12 rides this year. Oh, that's great.
0: Hey, was, and yeah. Is there any thought of expanding beyond just uh, Arizona and Colorado to other parts of the country, mm-hmm. and maybe adding a second team to do even more rides and get more veterans involved?
1: Yep, great question. Uh, we get that a lot, and obviously with 200 folks on a wait list, uh, you know the demand is obviously oh, yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know it comes down to a few things: the bandwidth of uh, you know the folks available to do that. Um, you know for the first. Uh, five years, I volunteered 200 to 250 hours a month because uh, you know I got a good retirement and could afford to do that. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and and so finding somebody with the bandwidth to be able to to put in that much time, you know, we're a, a small nonprofit mm-hmm. who struggles for donations, so we're broke at the end of every year. So, um, you know, we're we're grinding for every donation we get. We've got some very generous donors. Uh, who donate uh, throughout the year, but you know we burn up our budget every year and uh, start. We do a fundraiser every December here in Denver, which kind of resets the clock and uh, gets us going again for the next year and raises about a, a third of our budget. But from that, it's all just donations throughout no the kidding, year to really. sustain us throughout the year. So there's the first limb. Fact is, you know, financing is, you know, we don't have the the funds to do more than we're doing now. Right. Um, and then, uh, you know it's kind of a challenge you know once you start growing things and you know you lose kind of the, the organic nature of what you're doing you lose control over you know, the workshops and and those with the experience to lead them and and you know send the message you want to send so that's uh, another one of the challenges is just uh you know the integrity of the program and, and keeping it what it is uh right. and and then you know we've got 16 motorcycles but if we started a second operation somewhere you know we'd have to have 16 more motorcycles and and the logistics of transporting them you know we've done rides in california we've done some in utah but you know i mean it we have two 22-foot trailers that you know we load up and head to tucson uh uh four times a year so you know a lot of driving back and forth uh Doing that, so you know, logistically uh, and financially, you know, that's kind of the, the challenge we face. And then just having the bandwidth of folks uh, available who could put in the time to to make a second location or a franchise or right, or right. you know, trailing all the bikes to the east coast to do a ride there. Yeah. Um, so you know, we we pretty much found our sweet spot as far as the number of rides. We can't really uh, you know, eight participants and four volunteers and staff is uh, as big as the group gets. Because, you know, when you're doing a workshop in the evening, giving 12 folks the opportunity to talk and share, uh, you know, take some time. So yeah. uh, a bigger group would mean less folks would get a chance to, to actively participate. So, yeah, growing right. uh, the size of each ride isn't really a possibility. So, you know, I think uh, given our constraints, we're about at max capacity uh, and, and really at the sweet spot of doing what we can do to provide the relief we offer.
0: Oh, sure. Absolutely. Uh, now, you had, we had mentioned this briefly earlier, but uh, anybody who applies uh, for you know, to get on one of these rides, what, uh-huh. financially, what are they responsible for?
1: Yeah, so all they've got to do is get to Denver or Tucson. Um, so, yeah, plane ticket. If they have their own adventure bike, they can ride uh, their bike on the ride and not use one of ours. Um, just because, yeah, we provide the bikes. We've got loaner gear, so if uh, they don't have proper ride gear, we... Uh, We've got jackets and pants and Bell donates helmets to us. Uh, Michelin's a huge sponsor of ours. They give us a set of tires uh, each year for every bike. So every uh, spring I get two pallets of tires from Michelin. So uh, wow, that's a pretty big that? deal. Uh, yeah, that's so, a huge deal.
0: Um, well, tell us, yeah, tell us about your sponsors. Tell us about your sponsors, Todd. For
1: sure. So, yeah, Michelin, obviously, uh is huge as uh, our tire sponsor like I said bell uh donates helmets to us so we have helmets for participants to use um one of our big uh, organizational supporters um uh, the bmw motorcycle owners of america if you're a harley guy the hog equivalent of uh of bmw um they're huge supporters they give us an ad every month in their magazine uh to help us uh, find folks they uh, currently have a raffle for uh uh, restored vintage bmw going uh which is going to benefit us uh sure. so yeah they're a, a pretty big financial uh supporter of ours um so that's that's uh pretty huge uh there and then uh you know, we've got optimate uh, uh gives us battery chargers for the bikes uh denali electronics uh donates lights and twisted throttle uh donates uh bike protection you know crash bars and whatnot so uh um yeah wolfman luggage uh, we get tank bags and uh that from them um so yeah we've got uh, pretty good uh backing in the community uh folks that believe in what we're doing and help us out
0: that's awesome man. you got a lot of great song. you on your web page you got a lot of great sponsors there um uh, i had just revzilla snap-on tools yep komodo Park. uh
1: oh, yeah yeah snap-on gave us a whole tool chest full of tools to work on the bikes uh uh, Komoda, who owns uh, Revzilla, J&P Cycles, and uh, Cycle Gear, um, they've contributed financially. They host this at the uh, ADV Fest up at Sturgis uh, a couple weeks before the the, the Sturgis. Uh, yeah. There's an adventure rally has started yep. up there, and they uh, host this up there. So, um, yeah, another great supporter of ours.
0: Oh, that's awesome! Yeah. So, so you guys go to Sturgis every year, huh? For uh,
1: well, it's so there's uh, the ADV fest yeah, uh, I know which Redzilla started. It's two weeks before the, the rally at yep. Sturgis so um, yeah it's in July so there's a, a big adventure bike rally up there so um, we've been going up there uh, uh, the first two years uh, we're still waiting to find out if they're going to do it this year but yeah so we have been up there um, and then, yeah, traveling to rallies. We do the BMW uh, National Rally every year, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, the Tour Tech Rally in Plain, Washington. Uh, another adventure uh, bike gig. Uh, we try and do uh, Overland Expo uh, down in nice. Flagstaff every year. So, yeah, I try and get out and uh, you know have a booth and uh, hang out and spread the word there.
0: So, you're going to have a booth at the Adventure Rally in Sturgis, and uh, yes. are you going to? Why, why, why don't you guys do the same thing for the Sturgis rally itself?
1: Um, I know we checked into that. Um, one of the, uh, I know it is seemingly uh, a hugely supportive community, but we haven't necessarily found the uh, the right in. Uh, a lot of the rallies, um, you know, are aren't really uh, nonprofit friendly. So when you try and get a booth or whatever, you know, they want to charge you the commercial uh vendor price to have a space and sure. you know obviously uh if we're broke at the end of every year that's a, a challenge for us to be able to do that financially so um yeah i don't think we've uh, found the right end uh, to participate in one of the the big rallies just because they're not uh, we haven't found the right person who uh, is willing to to donate some space to us all right
0: oh okay i can understand that that's a, it's a it's a big ticket item i guess um so tell us how can people learn more about the motorcycle relief project. So,
1: the uh, uh, website's a good place to start. Uh, motorelief.org, org. It's got one R in the middle. Although I bought the domain for the the two R option, so if folks end up uh, spelling it wrong, they usually uh, find their way to us. Um, okay. So yeah, there's uh, news stories and uh, and information on our sponsors and uh, the basic ride layout, uh, the application to apply and obviously the contact button if they have any questions uh, to, to shoot me an email and ask questions. Um, we're on uh, Facebook and Instagram, uh, which is where we, uh, pay, we don't have a big advertising budget. So social media is pretty much our uh, main avenue of uh, getting the word out and, and getting that out to folks. So that's where we post all our testimonial videos, you know, at the end of the ride, I give participants the opportunity to, to you know, spend two or three minutes uh just talking about what they got out of the experience and, and what it's meant to them and uh we we've done some follow-up with folks a year or two later and uh you know just checking in see how uh how the ride has affected them and yeah we have lots of folks that'll uh, tell you that you know other than getting married or having kids this has been the most impactful week in her life and you know they have no doubt that you know they probably wouldn't be around if uh they hadn't gotten the experience uh, they did on the ride and met the folks they did um you know and kind of just speaking to to really what impact the ride has on folks um, you know these the guys and gals you know get out of military service or uh and, and go to communities that have no veterans and nobody that speaks their language and and reacts to things the way they do so um, you know, everybody sees them isolating or getting triggered, or you know, not being able around to be around crowds and whatever. And so, you know, they they get made to feel like they're crazy. And and the more you hear that over the years, um, the more you start to believe it. So you know, you end up isolating and you know, self medicating, trying to drink your problems away, and uh, and. You know i think the average age of the participants is in their early 40s because you know people just try and figure it out themselves yeah um you know over the course of the first decade or so after they get out and then they finally realize you know if they don't get their shit together you know it, life isn't getting any better so um when they show up for the ride you know the first day it's kind of like being uh, you know a bunch of new dudes showing up to a deployment or a, at a new unit and all you know you, now, all of a sudden, you're around people that speak your language and see life through the filter of uh, the shit you dealt with, and yeah. and it's like being back in the unit and serving again. So, you know, there's an immediate connection um, when you're around your people, and that's yeah. why this works. You know, we hear from a lot of folks that, you know, they go to the VA and see a shrink, and, you know, it's some college kid in a white coat sitting behind a desk telling them they understand why they feel the way they do, and they, you know, understand they don't understand shit. They don't, they don't understand um, nothing. <laughs> so yeah just being around people to speak your language and and see life through that filter of of the trauma you've experienced is immediately uh providing relief but then you spend the week uh you know as we go through the workshops and people share their experiences you know you hear people saying what you feel and what you think and it's like they're in your head because uh you know anybody else you've ever talked to about this stuff you know just looks at you like you're nuts and 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 can't understand why you feel the way they do. So the the cathartic nature of hearing somebody else sharing your thoughts and feelings and experiences, you know, it's a huge weight taken off yeah, your shoulders sure, because now you realize you're normal and you're just doing the best you can to deal with the shit you carry around. And uh, that alone is is uh, enough to to really reset folks get them unstuck and moving forward you know we've had folks that haven't left their house in months and come into the rides the first time they've even uh, you know been out of their right. off their block and and you know to hear them uh, you can physically see the changes in the folks you know they're all kind of guarded at the beginning of the week and by the end of the week they're all laughing and smoking and joking and and i've had uh you know had a guy call me two weeks after the ride and said his wife to know what kind of voodoo spell we put on him because he's the guy he was 10 years ago that's all he's that's actually fantastic. talking and that's playing music. with the kids you know it, it gave him the opportunity to it's kind of like uh i liken it to a pressure cooker where you know you, you build up that pressure over all this time and now if you pop the cork, you know it's going to be a significant emotional event oh, and you're sure. going to break down and cry so Having an environment to do that amongst people who understand your feelings, you know, it really does bleed off that pressure and let you go home and be able to start talking about things and and really uh, allowing those around you to to understand why you've done uh, what you've done over the course of the years and and give you the opportunity for a fresh start to. You know, maybe open up to your wife and talk to her about, you know, you know, after your really gory details, but just say, hey, you know, I know I've been an asshole the last 10 years. You know, here's what I've been dealing with. I was scared to tell you I didn't want to hurt you. I didn't want you to know what a monster I was. But I realize now that you know, I just did the best I could and, and right. got through it. I'm alive. And, you know, we start working together. And, and, you know, it really does change the, not only the participants' lives, but uh, their families as well.
0: That's awesome. I'm telling you, it's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Uh, any last words to those out there who might want to uh, volunteer, help out the project, or even participate?
1: Yeah. So, uh, um, you know, if listening to these stories didn't do it for you, I'd encourage you to get to the the Facebook page, the YouTube channel, whatever, and and really play some of those testimonial videos because. You know, when when you have a, a grown dude at the end of a week break down crying and saying, you know, he he just couldn't be thankful enough or couldn't be appreciative enough of what this program has done for him over right. the course of the week, um, and and the follow-up videos of people that you know tell you this program saved their life. I mean, it it's a it's a struggle to convince people. You know, there's enough charities out there looking for funds, so. To convince people that you know they should give away their money to go for guys to go ride motorcycles, um, you know it's a hard sell sometimes. So um, you know being able to really hear the impact the program has because we are different. Uh, There's certainly a lot of great nonprofits out there doing great things, and I don't want to take anything from them. But you know most of them are, "Ooh, I'll go take you fishing for the day." Or or, you know, go ride horses, which is all very therapeutic recreational uh, activity, but, you know, the workshops and the, the work we do at the end of the day to give folks the tools and allow them to talk about stuff is really how we differ from, I think, most uh, folks doing recreational-oriented uh, therapies. And, and that's, you know, we have guys all the time that say, you know, like, I came to ride motorcycles. I'm not gonna share nothing. I'm, I'm just here to, you know, get a week-long test ride on a BMW adventure bike. And, you know, once they hear other folks around them opening up and you see uh, how, how much relief they get from it, you know, by the middle of the week, those guys are spilling their guts. And, and they'll you at the end of the week they had zero intention of talking about anything. They, you know, they've kept it closed in so long, got it figured out. But, you know, they realized they got nothing to lose. And, uh, you know, they, they made it there for a reason. So, they, you know, I, I always tell folks when uh, we do the in-brief, monday morning don't wake up at home sunday morning regretting you didn't get out of the experience uh you know what we have to offer you and and i i push folks to challenge themselves to to really take it to heart and it's the you know, only shot you're gonna get to to talk about stuff that you can't talk about with anybody else and realize that you know you, you ain't going to hell and you know the express elevator don't open up and lightning <laughs> doesn't strike you and people don't laugh at you you right. you're normal you're not crazy you're just uh yeah, you see life differently than the other folks, but you're normal amongst people that have had similar experiences.
0: That is fantastic thing. So everybody should go over to uh, motorrelief.org and hit the donate button and send your money to these people to help them out so they can do more rides, get more bikes, get more people, and help more people. That's a wonderful thing. Yes, guys sir. Are doing. We uh, would appreciate that. Yeah. And you got the Facebook page, Instagram page. You got a YouTube channel. And if you go to their website, they've got videos about everything that they do. Absolutely wonderful. And gosh, it's it's, it's a wonderful thing that you guys are doing. And we here at the Motorcycle Men Podcast will do our very best to help you guys out as much as we can.
1: I appreciate you having me on and, and helping spread the word to. You know, if we reach one person who's uh, in that dark place and uh, this is uh, the light that comes on at the end of the tunnel and a train that's going to run them over, then, uh, yeah, we, we've done our uh, our work, and, you know, the donations certainly help. But, um, you know, the mission is to, to find those folks who need what we have to offer and uh, get them the relief they deserve.
0: Wonderful. I right, well, hopefully we can help you guys do that. Mike, I want to thank you very much for being on the podcast. Don't go anywhere. I want to talk to you when we're done. But Roger you being on the show. I really appreciate it. Yes, sir. The Motorcycle Man Podcast is supporting David's Dream and Believe Cancer Foundation, helping families dealing with the effects that cancer has on their lives. Get on over to David's Dream and to donate. And the Gold Star Ride Foundation. If you'd like to be a part of a great cause and get some heartfelt miles in, get on over to goldstarride.org and learn how you can participate in the next gold star ride and chasing the cure that's right we're helping long haul paul Peelan complete his mission to ride a million miles for ms now, he was told a few years ago that a cure for ms was a million miles away so he decided to ride that million miles to get that cure now you can help him by getting on over to longhaulpaul.com and donate for his quest for that cure for ms And the Motorcycle Relief Project. Motorcycle Relief Project is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that provides relief to veterans and first responders with PTSD and other related issues by taking them on structured week-long adventure motorcycle relief rides. So get on over to motorelief.org to donate or to get more information. Thank you for joining me and Mike here on the Motorcycle Men Podcast. Now, you can learn more about the Motorcycle Relief Project by getting on over to motorelief.org. Links will be in the show notes and, of course, on the Motorcycle Men website. And don't forget to get on over to the Ride With Ted YouTube channel or the Motorcycle Men YouTube channel. Watch some of the many videos we have over there. If you would, please also like and subscribe. That would be a tremendous help to both the YouTube channels and, of course, to the podcast. For the rest of the Motorcycle Men team, boys and girls, thank you very much for listening. And remember, kids, we say stupid crap so you don't have to. Ride safe, kids.